0: I have to tell you, just the most, I, I, I love chapstick. Anyone else love chapstick? Before I welcome new people, I just need to, it's a personal thing, and, um, and uh, I just, my mother turned me on to this new chapstick, and she's like, it has peppermint in it, it's fantastic. Mom, I just touched my lips and then touched my eyes. My eyes are burning so bad right now. I'm backstage, and he's like, you still crying from worship? I was like, no, my eyes are burning because they have peppermint in them. Okay, hey, if you're new, welcome to church. <laughs> So glad that you're with us today, and um, even those joining us online, we're glad that you're joining us. And uh, I'm excited today because today I want to talk to you, as I do every week, I want to talk to you like a family, and I'm excited about what God is doing amongst us, but what He will continue to do um, in our midst and through us. And I, I always, one of the things that has always been a passion of mine is to help realign the way that people see the bride of Christ, the church. Um, how many of you know that it's very easy to see faults and problems in, in church? It's like you don't need to be like a genius, but like, yeah, it's a problem. You're like, yeah, okay, we we know there's problems in the house, there's problems in our homes, there's problems around the world because um we're here. And someone said, I can't believe there's so much so much ish, so much problems around the world and so many issues. I'm like, well it's easy to to, to fix that. You just get rid of people. And if you get rid of people, then the problems will go away too. But we know that God has a plan for each one of us, and he has a plan for for this family, for this house, True North, and for your home. And, and I'm excited today because I want to talk about giftings, giftings, the way that God has individually gifted us. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been going... Uh, Kind of topic by topic, we've gone through a lot of scripture, and we've gone through a few devotionals. And I have a little shout out. Something's coming down the pipeline. I know you'll you'll be very excited about. Um, But in this uh, intermediate uh, moment, or in this time period, we're going through individual topics. And we started by talking about the mission and the core values of True North Church, which is incredibly important. And we moved on from that, and we allowed um, Pastor Brian and the youth to have the youth take over. How many of you love that and love Pastor Brian? Um, and then on Mother's Day, uh, I had the privilege and the honor to have my mother and uh, my sister, Pastor Katie, on platform and talk about family and children. That was amazing, wasn't it? And, um, and today, like I said, I want to talk to you about specifically about gifting, about your individual unique gifting. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about how we are to do life together as a church. And I think because of the confusion and the misunderstanding, it sidelines a lot of us. And we seem to think that if I'm not an uh, an usher or I'm not on host team or I'm not in first impressions or I'm not, you know, on this team or on the platform or I'm not teaching or in kids then hey, I I just uh, there's no place for me. And that's just a lie. It's just what the enemy wants you to think so he can sideline majority of the church. I want you to know that God has gifted you very uniquely. Every single one of you has a unique gift from God. Some of you are like nudging. I know you're unique, you know. No, it is. I'm serious. It's a unique. And some of you think that I'm just trying to be like, politically correct and say, everyone, no, 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 no. I I don't need to know your gift. I know who created you. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so you may not even be able to recognize your own uniqueness and your own gifting, but I'm telling you it's there. And God has something in you. He's wired you in such a way to add value to the body of Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. And, and, And some of us, quite frankly, it, because we've lived in a a disruptive, dysfunctional family, we sometimes don't even know what our gifts are. We don't even know like what, how we're wired in such a way to add value. And sometimes I've noticed in church, the thing that we dismiss the most is usually the thing that we're gifted in. So some people are like, well, I don't really have a gift, but you are the most encouraging person. Like I, I would rather spend all week with you than half the other people, just cause you're always filled with faith and encouragement. But you tend not to see that in yourself. But when you're called together in a family, each one of us have, have, a, have a unique gift, and, and I want to unpack that today. Will you, will you stay with me as we unpack this? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Text says, Each of you should use whatever gift. Everybody say whatever. Whatever, whatever gift you have received to serve others... As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Everyone has received gifts from God. If you go in uh, to the Greek and you look at that word specifically, that word gift, you'll, you'll see it, it, it is interpreted or it is stated charisma. If you hit the logos button, it's like charisma. That's how it says it. I'm not going to. We'll just say charisma. Okay. And, uh, and it is a divine gift. Gratuity, this is how it would be defined, or a spiritual endowment or a free gift. It means you don't even have a right to boast about that gift that you have. Because you didn't fabricate it. You didn't manifest it. you You didn't conjure it up. No, no, it was given to you. Divinely from God, it was given to you. And that's why I believe we should value it. We should see the significance in it. And, and not only see the significance in it, we should understand, why do I carry it? <laughs> There's nothing more frustrating in life than going through life, recognizing you have a gift, and then you trying to interpret the way that you should use the gift. But but can I tell you, you, you can't really determine with accuracy how to fully use the gift because you weren't the one that gave it to you in the first place. God was. It's like, it's like someone creating, you know, a toaster and then you getting the the manual with a microwave and trying to make the toaster be a microwave. And you're just so frustrated. You're Like, I don't get it. It's like, because you didn't create it. God created you and God knows how you are fulfilled and how you operate to the fullest of your purpose. And to be honest, I see more frustration in the house of God in this one area. And it frustrates me because this is what it does to believers, especially men. Men will look around an environment and they just observe, like thinking, like, where can I fit in, you know? And if they can't see themselves in a role, this is a typical man, then they just step back and they just watch. And they just watch. And can I tell you something? The reason the house of God becomes so powerful and influential is because everyone brings the gifts that they've been given. Not just a few. Not just those that want to, not just those that are more connected than other people. Now, I know as we begin to talk about this, this is the danger that you're going to face. You're going to begin to think, as I'm talking about the gifts you've been given, you're going to, as I'm talking, think about, all right, what are my gifts? Okay, here we go. I, gotta, I, gotta, I know someone's going to ask me in the lobby, what are your gifts? You know, and I got to know, like, what are your gifts? You know, are like, I can bake, I can bake. Sometimes I can bake, you know, and you're like, I'm nice, I'm kind, you know, and and. That's that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is how do we serve one another? More, More accurately, how do we love one another? And you might think, no, 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 they're two different things. No, they're actually, they're woven together. In order for us to properly love one another, we first need to understand how God has wired us. And we understand how God has wired us. We operate out of that motivation and we'll learn about that in Romans 12, that each one of us has been wired in such a way. It's who we are. It's who we are. We do these motivational gifts um, in the last class of um, growth track. And we do it with intention because we want you to know the way that you're wired. The first time I ever took one of those gifting assessments, I remember reading it thinking like, like it was a prank. Like someone knew me Like you know, and they were watching me for the last few months and they're writing a description of who I was. This is what irritates you. This is what motivates you. I'm thinking like, who is writing these descriptions? No, no, no. That's how God wired us. And he's motivated us in such a way. The, the danger is, is to figure out how you will find value in just accomplishing what you're gifted in. And that in and of itself is a danger as well. Because some people, they come into the house of God and they know the gift that they have. And they just come into the church and they're like, I'm ready to, to to exercise my gift. No, 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 no. It's not about that. It's about you bringing your gifts to serve one another. It means that I cannot exercise my gift in isolation. The value of my gift is that I bring it to serve the people around me. And when all of us do that collectively, you you begin to look at people differently. You begin to see, man, I can't imagine not having you. I can't imagine not having you in the house of God. I don't don't know what our family would look like without having you as, as part of it. And to understand that the house of God should be a collection of gifts and talents. If you just think about that, if you think about this room and everyone that's in it and everyone that's watching online, and if you would think that if every one of us brought our best to God's house, man, the power in the house of God in the local church what we could accomplish, what we could do for the things of God. I know that as we learn more about this word charisma or this word gifting as it's used in the text, we see that this word is mentioned 15 times in the New Testament. And every single time that it is mentioned, it's always used to urge people in the church not to neglect their gift. Do not neglect your gift but use them for the cause of Christ. I remember um, Pastor Chris Hodges said this before to people. He said, he was talking about uh, the gifts and the talents that we have. And he was talking to a group of of legacy-minded people, uh, marketplace people, business people, um, that had a real desire to to give to all these organizations and really steward what they've been blessed with. Now, this was in a context of, of financial means, but it could be related to anything. It could be related to who you serve, how much you serve or what you do and um, who you spend time with and how much time you invest. And, and, and he says, listen, what are you doing now that will show up in eternity? And because a lot of us give, but we don't give in the name of Jesus. And a lot of us serve, but it's never in the name of Jesus. A lot of us do a lot of things, but it's never attached to the things of God. And the power is not in what we can accomplish in our own little world and environment, but it's a matter of what we can accomplish for the things of God. And knowing that if I do it in the name of Jesus, that it will it'll be there for all eternity. And there's just something powerful about that to know that I just don't wanna do good. I wanna, I wanna do things in the name of Jesus. I just don't wanna give someone a cup of water and feed someone. I wanna do it in the name of Jesus. And, and there's something powerful. The, 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 the house of God is not a, a humanitarian aid organization. We don't just feed people physically. We don't just put clothes on people. We don't just help those that are homeless. We don't just do things for people. We do it in the name of Jesus. Why? Because we're ambassadors of Christ. We don't love just because we're so good and we're just great Christians. And we, No, we love because he first loved us. And if you lose that, you'll never see the significance in doing it. Like, you know you know how like sometimes you do something good, you give someone like 20 bucks, you're like, man, i you know. I just, and I bless somebody. No, 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 no. That's what you're supposed to do because of who you are. See, so we, we get this mixed up sometimes where we, we do some good things and we're like, oh, man. And, and don't get me wrong, when we do things that God has wired us to do, it does give us a sense of fulfillment. But don't get it twisted. We do that because we are ambassadors of Christ. And he's called us to do those things. But we do everything in the name of Jesus. Some of you here today have incredible gifts and talents, and I think it's just because we can't see ourselves in a role that we sideline ourselves. If you're not part of a crew, I don't. I don't know how to say this politely. Um, you need to be in a crew. That's as polite as okay. You just need to be in a crew. And some of you are like, I don't have the time. No, you don't have the time not to be in a crew. You need to be in a crew. And this is what, this is, this is what I want to say. It's not, it's not, um, it's not a religious spirit. Like, you have, if you don't, you will not be in heaven. No, that's not true. Like, you, you can do what you can. And it's, if you need to cancel a week or you can't make it, that's okay. But can I just encourage you, be committed to people that are around you. Just be committed to one. And, 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 and see the value in it because it'll add value to your life. It'll add value to your life and it'll help you recognize the gifts and the talents that you have when you're gathered together in fellowship with other believers. I remember early on in, in ministry, someone came up to me and, and I was serving in church at the time and, and I remember, <laughs> I'm laughing because it was like a, how many of you know that some of us, are you like me, some of you just need like you're not good with like the, the, like the rub on the back. You need like the smack in the back of the head to like do it. And you're like, I'm going to fight. Okay. You're right. You know, and I'll just do it. That was my personality. And, and I was, I sidelined myself because I didn't see myself in a role. And I just sat there waiting to be used, you know, I'll just wait, you know, until the Lord, I'm waiting for direction on the Lord. That's the, that's the Christian way of saying, I'm just really lazy and I don't want to do anything. <laughs> but it's just waiting for the Lord to move me, you know, to move me. You're like, what is that? You know, I was so good at that because I was raised in church. I'm just really seeking the Lord, fasting and praying, you know. It's been fasting and praying for six years now, but just still waiting on the Lord, waiting for him to move me. I just want to be moved, you know. Imagine if I said that about preaching each week. Church, I just don't have nothing waiting to be moved by God. <laughs> just waiting, you know. I'll let you know when I'm moved and then I'll, and then we'll, we'll preach. It, it's, an, it's a way of us to, to nullify a responsibility yet somewhat feel okay with it. Yeah. It's a responsibility. You know that we have a responsibility to one another. To one another. And I think because we've lost that in our culture, we, we see no need to bring the gifts and the talents that we have. We see no need for it. And and because of that, it's sidelined us and it's prevented us from living the life that I fully believe that God intended us to live. Colossians 3:23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whether you've been gifted in the marketplace or you have a, a, a talent or a skill, whatever it is, you're not, you haven't been given that skill just merely to, to earn wealth or to gain influence or to, to multiply whatever you've been given, although that's expected as someone who is a good steward. All that you do, you should be doing it with a mindset as I'm doing this unto the Lord. I'm doing it unto the Lord. And, and that's, the best, that's the best place to be because God keeps your heart centered. And, and can I just say this just as an affirmation? Many of you have been gifted in the marketplace. Don't you ever, ever, ever allow someone to tell you that that's not a spiritual calling in your life? Ever. I know from my father, he was raised in the church and he was a businessman his entire life. Matter of fact, he he still was part of business when he started True North Church and he was a bivocational minister for 34, 35 years and, and meaning that he would preach on Sundays and serve in the church, but never got a dollar from the church and then had other businesses that he would run and he would operate. And there was never a place of value for someone like that in the church. And that's because the church has an inability to understand the way that God has wired all of us and that all the gifts and talents. So if you are a marketplace person, an entrepreneur, a business person, I just want you to know that there is value in that. There is kingdom value in that. Wherever God has placed you, he's placed you there for a reason to carry a kingdom influence around the people that you're working with. Some of you are like, I can't stand my workplace. There's not one Christian there. And I'm like, what about you? They're like, well, I mean, other than me. Well, that's why you're there. That's why you're there and allow God to use you. And, and that's another reason why you need to be in biblical community with believers. To come back and get recharged and to have someone stand by you and say, man, man, my workplace is hard. Yeah, mine is too. Hey, let's, let's believe that God's gonna use us in this place this week. And then where, when there's no one there that believes, then there then there's, goes from one to two and then from two to three. And then before you know it, you have a radical influence in the place that God's called you to serve. That's what it means to be the light. That's what it means to be the salt of the earth, to be placed in a place where there's no spiritual context. That's why you're there. And I just want to affirm you. I want to encourage you. If you've been gifted in any aspect of the marketplace, well done on you. Know that you're doing it unto the Lord. To resource the things of the kingdom of God. To be able to to lead people who are far from God in the place where you work. And can I tell you, my father was um, always was involved in construction. And I remember having to work for him. And being on a construction site as a believer, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do. It's a lot of colorful language happening out there. But can I tell you, you can make a difference. You can make a difference and you can make an impact where God's called you to lead. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 and Romans 12 are going to be the two main portions of Scripture we're going to go through today. You still with me, church? Ephesians 4, Romans 12. Let's begin in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11. So Christ himself gave Christ himself. You'll see three areas in scripture where you'll see a dissemination of gifts. Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Each one of them, if you look at it, it's very unique because each one of them are dispensed according to the Godhead. One by the Father, one by the Son, and one set of gifts by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, it says, so Christ himself, Jesus Christ, gave the bride, the local church, the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. To do what? To equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, built up, strengthened, built up and increased until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That word equip, I've always been so fascinated about that word because he's given the fivefold ministry this this task to equip. That word in the Greek is a medical term. It means to reset a bone. It's what the word would be used for and he gives this instruction to the fivefold ministry to the pastors prophets evangelists teachers he gives he says listen your job is to equip to reset a bone and if you think about it it's fascinating he's saying you need to equip the people you need to reset the people back into the place they were intended to be that's what our job is is to help people who have been disconnected literally from the body of Christ and to reconnect them or reestablish them. I'm going to grab my arm. It hurts (laughs) to reestablish them. I'm hoping that, you know, during the preach, Lord, just hear it and reestablish them back into the family of God. That's what it means. Some of you think the word equipping is to like attain all of this knowledge to be a, a, a theological juggernaut. No, that's not really what it means. It means to get you back into the place you're supposed to be, which is what part of the body, part of the body. Then you will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Now listen to this final verse. From him, the whole body the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love not in accomplishment not in tasks not in gift no we build ourselves up in love in how we love one another as each part does its work each part i want you to remember that as we go into romans 12 This is how the church becomes strong, as we start to understand how we've been uniquely gifted and how to serve. I would say the only danger in talking about gifting in the local church is when people seem to think that their gifting excludes them from other aspects of ministry. Where it's like, oh, you know, I would love to welcome people, but I just don't have the gift of encouragement. So... I'm just going to stay back here because I got the gift of teaching and let me know when there's an opening. You're like, wait, what? No, no, no. Just because you may be wired in such a way doesn't allow you to nullify this, 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 this kind of command of God to, to love people, to encourage people, to have compassion on people, to serve people. And though we are all motivated and wired with a specific gift, it doesn't exclude us from other things. I remember the first time I did a motivational gifting, I kind of felt good about myself and I found myself doing what I did in the past where I wanted to pocket myself into an area and when people asked me to do certain things, like, ah, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just not gifted in that thing. So just not gifted in cleaning. So, you know, I'll just have to find one of those servers. They love cleaning toilets and stuff. So just, it's not my thing. And you're like, no, 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 no. And that's not how it works. Though we're wired in such a way, we all do whatever it takes to advance the kingdom of God. Romans 12. Ephesians 4, ministry gifts, as the Bible describes it. Romans 12 would be our often referred to as motivational gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we would find spiritual gifts. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4, this is what the Word of God says. It says, For just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, verse 5, So in Christ, we, this is just a visual, don't be weird, and this isn't coming out here to play golf. Um, So in Christ, though many form one body, stay with me now, and each member, hear this, each member belongs, everybody say belongs, to all the others, to all the others. And when I remember reading this, I'm thinking, like, what? My my gifts belong to. To all the others, when you have the revelation that you've been called to belong, not because of your gift, not because of your gift. I want you to hear me. You didn't get entrance into this family because of the gift you have. You didn't get entrance into the family of God because you're so good or because you're so great. No, we find entrance into the family of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because of his sacrifice and as we come into the family of God, it's him acknowledging and identifying, hey, this is how I wired you. No one else may see value in it. You may not even see the value in it, but this is how I wired you and this is why I wired you this way. I know it's so frustrating sometimes to see people feeling as if they have no value. Like, "Well, I just don't have value and I just don't know where to No, no, my friend, you have value. You have value. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You have value. And if no one else around you can see it, I guarantee you, if you're committed to the house of God, you'll find the value and the, attached to the gifting and the talents that God has put within you. Your value is not in your gift and talent. It's in who you are as a child of God. But I know God has placed something in each one of us that adds value to the body of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Um, How many of you um, like golf? Anyone like golf? How many of you hate golf? It's equal, okay, perfect. and uh, That's why I thought this was a perfect analogy to share with you. Don't play just yet, because it'll be weird if you play while I show this golf analogy. Um, So the one thing about golf which is fascinating is is golf is probably one of the most frustrating things. It's a lot like family, okay? Some days it's fantastic, and other days you just wanna kill everyone, okay? It, it is, and, and but a lot of you you don't even recognize this, or you don't even notice it. But, but, but golf, um, the successful golfers have at their disposal a variety of of clubs. Now, the uniqueness is that each club, each club, was designed um, and engineered specifically for a certain purpose specifically. Now stay with me because some of you are going to smile and say, oh, that's cute, um, but I want you to see the dynamic in the family of God, okay? Just stay with me. And you'll say, oh, well, the driver, that's for the tee box. That's where you get up there and you show off around all your friends or like you just try to hit it as far as you can. And, but, but imagine if, imagine if um, someone went up on the tee box um, with a putter. Now you would laugh and you would say, now that's, <laughs> what are you, an, an idiot? Like you don't do that. Like people just don't do that. You say, well, why? It's a club, and that's a golf ball. And you're like, no, 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 it's not made for that. And you would say that straight-faced. You would have no, you would be like, no, I, I don't even watch golf, but I know, like, that's stupid. Like, you don't do that. Like, no one does that. We do this in the church all the time to ourselves for years You'll try to fit yourself into a place and you'll never feel the fulfillment. You'll never feel the value. You'll always feel disjointed. And and then you'll tell yourself, I guess this is just the way it is. No, no, no. Maybe you are trying to tee off with a putter and, and you weren't designed to do things that way. Now, I need you to know something. Because each club has been designed in such a way, it has a very specific purpose. A very specific purpose. And I want you to hear this. The value of each one of these clubs is not found in its sameness. It's not found in its sameness. The, the, the six iron, or the, the irons and the woods and the drivers and the putters and the wedges, every club has value because it is different from the other clubs. We live in a world right now that values, and it's this, this demonic presentation of sameness, Sameness, there's no genders, it's all the same. There, there's no this, it's all the same. And no, 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 we, we, we are better together because of the diversities and the differences that we bring to the house of God. That's the uniqueness of us. And we're living in a world that says, no, 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 don't see differences. Don't, don't, see, don't see any differences amongst you. Don't identify any differences. Shame on you if you see differences. No, no, God created us differently. God created man. He created woman to operate in unity with one another, but very different. Somebody say amen. amen. Very different. I wish I had a golf ball right now. And, um, but listen, each club, when used for what it was intended to be used for, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And now you don't go around and condemn people on the golf course for carrying a putter because you're like, why do you even have a putter? Because it has a purpose. And if we're going to fulfill the call, the call for every golfer is to win. Every one of them. You will not find a golfer that wins that only has one club. Like imagine that for a moment, sameness. Every club in this bag would be a six iron. How successful would you be? We find our value in our diversity. I've I've thought about it long enough to know. Um, have you ever done um, a golf outing for a good cause? If you ever just gone, and you're like I'm not a golfer. Like eh, who cares? Just come. Have you ever done that? Put your hand up if you've ever done that. And the the tea box is very much the. It's like the local church. It's where everyone watches. It's all on display. It's only a few minutes, but the t box, everyone just stands around and watches you perform. You know, everyone's watching you, put on your best. No one really cares what happens next, but everyone is watching that one moment. It's an insufficient, incomplete demonstration of what's represented in the sport. And more accurately, it's incomplete and it's an insufficient representation of how the family of God should function throughout the entire week. What happens on a Sunday is a fraction of what God does throughout our week. Can you say amen? amen. God uses us uniquely in very distinct ways to advance the kingdom of God. And I want you to know, however, God has wired you, however, He has gifted you. And I don't know. I, I suppose for me, it's always hard because I remember when I came to church, or came, let me say it this way, when I came to the revelation that God was calling me to, to lead in the church, I found myself very quick to tell God how He wired me. And I told God that He had wired me in such a way where I felt very comfortable doing what I wanted to do. And then I, I learned something that what God was calling me to do required faith. I want you to hear this because I think we missed this too. You may seem to think that just because, well, I never saw myself writing a research paper every week because in school and in college, every time I had to do that, I would want to throw up. Like, I'm just this serious with you. And I thought it was like a, torturous treatment that God was going to submit me to say, Hey, the rest of your life, son, you're going to be writing papers. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, and you're going to stand in front of people. Now you may not believe it now, but this is nearly 14 years later. But for the first five years, six years, I would be so nauseous and sick to get in front of people. But can I tell you, I just, I knew that God called me to do it. I felt a grace to it, but I would have never chose it if I didn't really spend time with God, fellowship with the family, learn and identify. And sometimes your greatest gift isn't necessarily gonna be even identified by you. It's the people around you. (laughs) I mean, man, you're such an encouragement. Like what? You're You're always so encouraging. Man, you are so generous. Man, you're so innovative, you're so compassionate, you're man, you and, and sometimes we don't even see it. Why? Because we're just wired that way. It's how we operate. <laughs> just like anything else, the temptation to think that success lies in material things. If you've got for any length of time, you've convinced yourself I just need better clubs, you know? If I just had that new driver. In Jesus' name, you know, it would, I'd I'd crush. I'd probably be the best. I'd probably be on tour, you know, and you'd you'd go through this whole thing. Um, No matter how good those clubs are in that bag, they will do nothing unless I pick them up. Like there is this co-labor thing that God commissions us to. And the unique thing is that all of the gifts and talents that we possess, if we don't first surrender our lives to Jesus, the Bible says you're dead in your sin. But the moment you become alive in Christ, it's like the Holy Spirit activates those gifts in such a way that you can become a gift from heaven to earth to the people around you. It doesn't mean you're perfect, it doesn't mean you have it all together but it means that God is going to use you in a way that's supernatural beyond your own ability to meet the needs and to touch people in a way that'll change the trajectory of their life forever. Don't ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. Coupled by your willingness and your obedience to surrender your life to Jesus, God will continue to use us, church. And I know that as I see when I look back of all that God has done in our life, in our life as a, as a family, and I think about where he's getting ready to take us, I'm overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with gratitude, overwhelmed with the sense like, God, really us? could Okay. Whatever you want, God. And it almost seems like where God takes me, there's a greater sense of dependency on him. That's where we should be. That's where we should be. There should, never be. there should never come a moment in our life where we're like, man, I'm just so good. I, and I don't even know the last time I talked to God. It's like, that's a dangerous place. That's a place that's self-reliant on you. You don't want to live there. Be at a place that's constantly saying, God, I need you more. That's not a place of lack. That's at a place of, of health and strength to acknowledge, no, we need Jesus. <laughs> Listen, I know that what God's called us to as a family, we will, I don't, I know we won't accomplish it if people are sitting on the sidelines. I just know. And I close my eyes at Time Church. I'm I'm telling you, I just pray and I know that if all of us seek Jesus, if we hear the Holy Spirit and we just say, hey, I don't. I don't know where to begin, but I know I have some gifts and talents and how do I begin this? Don't get frustrated with the process. It's a process, but I know that the Holy Spirit will guide and direct each one of us to a place of effectiveness, to a place of influence, to a place of healing and ministry, to reconcile the lost, to encourage our brothers and sisters in the Lord, to walk with people who are in pain and to celebrate with people who are celebrating and Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I don't know. Maybe that's where you find yourself in the journey of life. Maybe, maybe you have surrendered your life to Jesus. And maybe, maybe you're caught in that spot like I was many years ago. And I'm like, man, I just don't know where I fit in and what this looks like. Can I encourage you? Just take a next step. Just start somewhere. Start somewhere. Begin by just being faithful with the small things. And as you begin to be faithful in those little things, it'll be easier to take the bigger next steps. I just want some of you to know that that God sees you where you are. You are not valued any differently. You are not a second-class Christian if you're not in full-time ministry. No, no, no. The call of those who are in full-time ministry is to equip the saints, the sons and daughters of the Most High, to do what? To have an influence in the world in which they live. And so that's what we call, we're called to do and gather together to accomplish. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for you before we go today. Father, I thank you um, for your goodness and for your mercy. I thank you that, man, you, you, you encourage us to seek you first above everything else. As it says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. And Father, I just... I pray that we don't become tired of seeking you. That we don't become so distracted by all the things that the world has to offer that we we pursue you above everything else. Father, I thank you that every time we gather you give us the privilege to reconcile people to the Father through you. And Father, in this moment though we gather as a spiritual family, Father, we know that there are people here today and those watching online that have yet to surrender their life to Jesus and and what a special moment and what a privilege to connect people who are lost and broken to their Savior, to their Father, to their Creator. If you're here today, I want to remind you what the Word of God says in John three sixteen. The Scripture says, For God so loved the world that He gave, that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 continues, and church, you you should know this by now. We've been saying it every week, but it says that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but rather to save the world. And that usually leads to the next conversation when you're sharing the good news with people. They say, well, what do I need to be saved from? I'm good. What impending doom awaits me? And sometimes we're just oblivious to the eternal things. We're so focused in the physical world, we've lost complete awareness of the spiritual context in which we live. And my friend, you will live forever. It's just a matter of where. God sent Jesus from heaven to earth. He bankrupted heaven and he sent his one and only son from heaven to earth. And his call was to make a way. Make a way for those who were lost and broken and separated from the father because of sin. To be reestablished in unity and connection and relationship with the Father. Some of you may recognize it somewhat, but sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None are righteous, not even one. The wages of sin is death, it says in chapter 6. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so today, what do we do? How do we respond? Well, the choice is yours. What will you do with Jesus? Will you trust in your own strength, your own wisdom and knowledge, or will you recognize that you can't save yourself? Every one of us who, have caught, who has called on the name of God, God has heard us and he has responded. Scripture said that God, Scripture said, teaches us that, that God is faithful to forgive those who call upon the name of Jesus. And so my friend, if you're here today and you have yet to surrender your life to Jesus, I plead with you to consider surrendering your life to Jesus. It says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. We're saved by confession and belief. Ephesians 2:8 tells us it's by grace through faith that we are saved. And grace, my friend, is something that cannot be purchased. It cannot be earned. It's not something that can be accomplished. It's only something that can be received. It's a free gift. So if you're here today and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, we're going to say a prayer. It's a simple prayer, but my friend, it's a significant one. And so church, what we're going to do together right now, as we do every Sunday, is we're going to say this prayer, but we're going to make those that are saying it for the first time feel like they're family before we even finish with that prayer. So come on, let's encourage them as as we say this prayer out loud. Let them not be the only one saying it. Come on, church, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive your Son, Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and conquered sin and death. I'm now a Christian and Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap. Come on, church. Let's stand to our feet before we go today. I Man, I'm 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 excited about what God continues to do, and I apologize. I'm a little bit all over today. My, um, it takes a lot for me to restrain my um, my gifts. Um, they, the world gives you all these letters to describe your gifts. I just they're a gift from God in Jesus' name. And um, but if you're here today and you said yes to Jesus, I want you to know that. And I don't say this to. Be dramatic. It, it is by far the best decision, the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And I want you to know one thing your next step, if you said yes to Jesus watching online or here today, it's not to read the entire Bible, it's not to, you know, fix yourself. You've already done enough. <laughs> um, when I say this to everyone, you, this is not behavioral modification. This isn't I say yes to Jesus and then all of a sudden my, my attendance to church fixes everything. No, 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 my dependence on Jesus and my relationship with the body of Christ. The most important thing you can do is be in community with other people. And let me say this to the believer. If you're still battling and struggling with the same things over and over and over, it's because you have refused to be in fellowship with people. You've just refused to be in fellowship. And I'm not talking about counseling sessions and like, no, 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 fellowship refines us. It's a difficult thing, yes, (laughs) but it's a refining thing. And so find fellowship and community with other people and begin somewhere. Start somewhere. It doesn't need to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Just begin somewhere. But if you said yes to Jesus, as you exit today, there's going to be people in the lobby and they have um, this, we have a gift for you. It's a New Testament Bible. They're going to be waving it out there. So make sure you tell them, say, Hey, I just made a decision to follow Jesus. And we want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you in your journey with Jesus. Can we just show some love to everyone who did that again? And if you're watching online, make sure you let the pastors know. We'll make sure that we'll, we'll get you a Bible as well. And then lastly, before you go today, um, we have these on your seats um, if you're here today with us. And it's just all the descriptions of the summer master classes. We've never done anything like this before. Um, and there are a ton of individual courses that are going to be taught. Um, and I would encourage you, there's already over a hundred people that have signed up for these classes and you can sign up for one, two, you can sign up for all of them. I think there's 10 of them. Um, but make sure that you're resourcing yourself. I want you to be equipped for every season, for every situation at all times. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, let's stretch your hands to heaven. I want to pray with you before you go. Father, I thank you that you've called us. I thank you that you are refining us. I thank you that we've never arrived, but you continue to see value and investment in us. And you're faithful even when we're faithless. And you're kind and your patience towards us is sometimes overwhelming. But Father, I thank you that even in difficult seasons, your spirit always navigates us. Your spirit is what provides us peace and joy and direction. And Father, I thank you that in a world that constantly is trying to get our attention and our focus, Holy Spirit, I pray this week, above maybe any other week, may this week, Father, use us supernaturally. God, use us in conversation. Disrupt our weeks this week, God. Father, and use us in ways that we wouldn't necessarily even see ourselves being used. Father, I thank you that you love us and you're for us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Go with us this week as we go. In your precious and holy name we pray. a faithful church said, amen. 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 God bless, guys.